Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Doing well? Good to be with you. Do me a favor. Would you welcome everybody online and in Montgomeryville if you're in Phoenixville? What's up, everyone? Glad that you're with us. We're in week number three of the blessed life. You guys remember the definition of the blessed life? What is it to be blessed? Anybody know? I have no money in my pocket today. I see I do lie. I got 10 ones, but I'm not giving it to you. And so I'm poor now. And so uh, the blessed life, having supernatural power, working for you. That's the blessed life. And so I told you a few weeks ago, this is not just a money series. Um, it is a possessions and talents and time series. And I love the word of God. Anybody else? I love that song that we just sang. Like that. So I'm a judger. I'm just letting you know. Anybody else? I know the Bible says don't judge, but I do. And so um, and I judge songs really quickly. And so like if I listen to a song and it, it doesn't resonate with me 10 seconds, it's dead to me. And so I don't give it another shot. And so I came in on, on Wednesday night. They were having their kids meeting. And so if you're in Phoenixville, you know, we, we have a new kids area. And so that's been really cool. And so they had all the kids workers out, and we had Chick-fil-A, and they did worship. And so, uh, yeah, some of you should sign up for the kids team. We got Chick-fil-A. And so, um, and we came in for worship, and they sang. I never even heard this song, and they sang it. And I just knew within, within 10 seconds. And I'm not a country fan, but it's got a little bit of country twang to it. Uh, but the words are powerful. Like I, and I was like, our church is going uh, to love this. And so I was in the back. And sometimes you teach pe- the church a new song. It's super awkward. You know how you are when you don't know the words? And I was like, watch, 10 seconds, they're going to be feeling this. And I, like, it, that song is a banger. Anybody else agree with me? It talks about the grace of God. And, and, and I don't need to make my, my bed in, in shame or however it says it. I don't know how it says it, says it prettier than that. And so... Uh, but I love the song. I love when, the, the, when, the, when all the instruments drop out and Mandy's over there hitting the, hitting the kick drum and, and whatever other drum that is over there. And so it just hit me right here. And so I, I, love, I love God's presence. I love the Word of God. I love that the Word of God deals with, with every area of life. I love that. And, and I love that we can go to it and we can go to it. Like, so we are, we're going to do a sermon series on, on marriage and dating and sex next. We're going to have a good time. We're going to land in the book of Song of Solomon. If you were here at marriage class, Adrian told us it's Christian porn. I was like, oh. <laughs> and so I was like, okay. And so, um, and, and so it, and we're going we're gonna to land there. We're going to have a good time. But we're talking about money. And I know, I know money can be an awkward topic in, in church, uncomfortable. And so uh, I have a table, so I'll, I'll, I'm right with you. And I usually use the pulpit. Uh, for a few years, I tried to use a table and a chair. I thought it would be cool and relevant. And I was very uncomfortable with it, so I, I'm very comfortable standing behind uh, a, a pulpit. But today, because of what I wanted, how I end, wanted to end the service, I had to have a table. And so you're uncomfortable because you have to hear me talk about money, and I'm uncomfortable because like I stand at this dumb white table. And so we're all we're all in the same the same boat together. And here's what's cool: a lot of times when you when you when you lean into discomfort, the Spirit of God is able to do a good work in your life. So that that like if you come to church and you never leave uncomfortable and you never leave if you're never mad at what I said the spirit of God is probably not working in your life because I gotta be honest when I'm when I'm on my Bible game and I'm reading God's word and I'm locked into it about 60% of the time I walk away being mad at God 
Like, I'm like, I don't like this. I have to go do this. I got I to gotta ask for forgiveness. I got to apologize. I got to tell my kids I got to stop yelling. I got to do And like, so if you're coming to church and you're listening and you're not ever feeling uncomfortable, it's because the spirit of God's not working in your life. And so it's okay to lean into this message and be like, man, I got some work that I need to do because there's blessing in handling your finances and your treasure the right way. And so last week we established um, with your stuff, I taught you a word. Remember what the word was? You're a what? So can you tell everybody else that didn't listen, can you tell them louder? What were you? Steward. You're a steward. Okay. And so I love how one person says it and then everybody cheats after you. You're like, oh yeah. And so you're a steward, which means you don't own anything. That God is the owner of everything you have. And so remember I put money in some, pe- some people's hands and I said, you're supposed to hold it, not have it. Doesn't mean you don't get to spend any of, a, of it. Doesn't mean you get to use it for your bills. But you are constantly going to the Lord and saying, how do you want me to handle my finances? How do you want me to, 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 to invest my finances? What do you want to do? God, can you trust me with more? I'm a steward. God owns everything. So here's the, here's the next question. If you're a steward, if God owns everything, then the next question is, how or what does he want me to do with my money? That's a good question, right? How? How? How am I supposed to handle my money? And here's what's so cool about this message, this principle I'm going to teach you today, is this pertains to the youngest um, minimum wage worker to the richest person in here. You work at McDonald's or you work for GS, GSK. You're a janitor or you're a doctor. This principle in scripture, it relates and pertains to every believer. If you're not a believer and you don't think God owns it, just tune me out. Right? But if you're a believer and you're trying to grow in your faith and God is, God is giving you grace and mercy and saved you through his son and now I've given him my life and I want to trust him with everything and he's, he, he, he owns it, I'm the steward. Okay, God, how do you want me to handle my money? And so today I want to talk to you about the principle of tithing. I entitled this message, You Do What? Because that's what people always say to me when I talk about tithing. You do what? People in your church do what? You make them do. I said, no, no, we, we stop there, right? You do what is where we're at. People do what? They Tithing. The principle of tithing. Here's, here's, I, I want to apologize to you because a lot of times in churches, because we're afraid of making people mad, we don't talk about tithing. Uh, and I told you last week, I don't care if you leave. We need your seat anyways. <laughs> is that okay? Say the next service, they'll amen me. They'll be like, yes, right? 9.30 service, you know, remember that, that tight in the butt cheek thing? It's like, ooh, the preacher's supposed to say that. Is he kicking me out of church? Maybe. I'm just going to give you what the Bible teaches. And it's some, like, this might be a room creator where people are like, I don't want to go to church here because he talks about things I don't want him to talk about, which is in the Bible. And so you probably don't want to go to any church because if they're talking about the Bible, you're not going to want to be there because this is in the Bible over 2,000 times. So we have to talk about it. And I want to teach you on the principle of tithing. A lot of times pastors don't talk about this and if they do talk about it, they talk about it from the wrong point of view or they talk about it with an agenda or they're about to have a special offering or they're about to buy land or they're about to do something or the church isn't giving. Like I got to yell at everybody. I got to be honest with you. I have no agenda. I want nothing for you today. I want something. I want nothing from you. I want something for you. I don't, I don't really care if you like what I say and I don't care if you leave. I just want you to know what I think is one of the greatest principles in scripture when it comes to money. In fact, of all the things my parents have taught me, I don't, I don't know if they're here today, I think they are here, and so, but I said this first service, I'm not just buttering them up. And so, um, 
of all the things they taught me. They taught me how to be, be responsible. Um, they taught me how to show up to work on time. Um, they taught me to have uh, character and integrity. Uh, my dad, he taught me to do what I said I was going to do, right? That's, I remember that. Of all the things they taught me in my life, this is number one. This is, the, the, like, this, is, this is why our church is where our church is at. My life, how I got through planning a church because when you plan a church, you don't have much money. And so we lived, if I'm honest with you, me and my wife lived below the poverty line for, for a while when we, were, when we were planting a church. We didn't have much. I look back on our life and think, how do we afford what we did and do what we did? And it, it's because of the principle of tithing. It, it, our church, the, the, when, when the lid got taken off of our church financially and we stopped having to beg and, 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 and give us money, please, and we just kind of stopped going after money and we started instead of going after hearts and we started being faithful with our finances, the lid of our church came off. This has the opportunity to change your, your, your life. And so I'm sorry that maybe you haven't heard about it before. And I'm sorry also sometimes that when you hear about it, you hear about it from the wrong motive. So what I want to do is I just want to preach from God's word about the tithe. We're going to go to the book of Malachi chapter 3. And I just want to, because I know everybody's not a Bible person here, I want to give you just a little background. Can I do that? So you know where we're at. Because sometimes it's weird just to read a passage and not, and, not, and not explain it. And so the Bible is Old Testament and New Testament. You guys know that? Okay, some of, you, some of you don't, and that's fine. You, you, that's, that's why I love church. You have people who've been here forever, and you have people that, 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 have, that first week, you have some people who say they know, and some people just said they knew, but they lied. And so, and it's okay, because there's grace here. And so, but the Bible is not one book. It's 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, uh, 27 in the New Testament. In between the New Testament and the Old Testament, there's 500 years of silence. It's a crazy book. It's written by a bunch of different authors, about 40 of them, uh, a bunch of different languages, on a bunch of different continents. It is, it is the... Um, it is the word of God. You, you can take it to the bank. And so um, it, is, it is a crazy book. And so in the Bible, in the Old Testament, um, God makes the, the, the earth, Adam and Eve sin. You remember that story? They eat from the garden, uh, the, the tree of good and evil. They realize they're naked. They cover themselves up. Everything goes bad, right? Uh, God, God comes eventually to, to these people, to Abraham, and says, I'm going to create a great nation through you. And uh, goes through his son Isaac, which has Jacob. Jacob wrestles with God. He, his name gets changed to Israel, and he is the father of the Jewish people. He promises them at one point, I'm going to give you a land, and I'm going to bring the Savior of the world through, through your lineage. Now, a lot of stuff happens. They end up becoming slaves in Egypt for 400 years. You guys, you remember that? And so then God comes and rescues them through a man named Moses, and he leads them to the promised land, which is, if you watch the news, which is what all the fighting is over in, in Israel. That is the land that God promised them. He promised them a land flowing with milk and honey. He said, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. This is an unbreakable covenant. And so if you wonder sometimes why the church should stand with Israel, because we read our Bible. And so here, 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 here they come. They get, and what's really cool, what's really cool is as they're going towards the promised land, um, after some detours, let's be honest, we all go on detours, right? They, they begin to win wars they shouldn't win. They get to a, a, a city called Jericho, and here's the plan. God said, hey, that wall, you can't climb it. You're going to march around it one time every day, seventh day, seven times, scream, and I'll show you my power. Right? So if you're ever going through something, that's your go-to. Just scream. That's why, that's why music is loud here and worship is loud. You can't sing, but you can scream, right? And so 
You just scream. Walls came down, win the battle, and they begin to win battle after battle after battle. God establishes them in the promised land. Here was, here's what he said. He said, I'll be your God, you be my people. If you listen to my commands, you follow my laws, I'll stick close, close with you. We'll keep winning wars. We'll bring Jesus through this world. You just got to listen to me. You ever been in that situation with God? Nobody here? I mean, I, I'm a pastor. I can tell you right now, yes, you have. I, I've counseled you, right? I've sat with you. It's a cycle. I'll listen to God. Okay, stuff's good. I'll stop listening to God. And so what would happen is they would go, kind of go through this cycle. they listen to God, not listen to God. Uh, one time it got so bad, uh, a prophet, Jeremiah, came to the Jewish people and said, listen, if you don't obey, God's going to allow this place to be destroyed. And they didn't listen. So God allowed this, the, the country of Babylon, the empire of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar come and destroyed everything, exiled people, took the best and the brightest, brought them back to Babylon, indoctrinated them. You ever hear the story of Daniel in the lion's den? Okay, that's this time. Daniel in the lion, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they live in, that, in, that, in Babylon for a while. Eventually, Nebuchadnezzar loses his mind. Uh, the king of Persia, uh, Xerxes, comes on the scene, I believe, and Xerxes becomes the, the, the king, and Persia takes over, and uh, eventually, Esther, if you read the, the story of Esther, she wins a beauty pageant, becomes the queen. She's a Jewish woman. She becomes the queen of Persia. God softens the heart of the Persian king, and the Jewish people begin to go home. Nehemiah comes on the scene. If you're, if you're a building owner or, 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 or a, 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 you, you own any kind of business, Nehemiah is the book, man. You're a leader of any kind. Nehemiah hears there's no wall, so he goes back and he leads a, a, a group of people to build a wall. That's in the Bible. And they rebuild a wall. And then Ezra shows up, the priest, and begins to read the Bible because pastors can't build and read the Bible. We got soft hands. And so, and so Ezra begins to read the Bible. The people hear the word of God for the first time in years. They bow down. They're excited. They're going to follow God. They're going to stay faithful. They're going to be different. And then they weren't. So Malachi shows up to the same thing over and over and over again. Here's what God said. If you would just do this, here's what I would do. Here we are. Many of you can relate to this. If you would just do this, here's what I would do. This is going to be that kind of message. If you would just follow this, here, here, here's what I would do. But it, it rides on you following this. And so Malachi shows up, and the people are confused because they're like, what's God's problem? What's God's problem? In Malachi chapter 3, uh, he, he begins like this. He says, I the Lord, he's speaking for God to the people. He says this phrase. He says, I do not, what does it say? That's important. Like, it, I know what kind of world we live in, and God's like whatever you want him to be. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I relate to God like a butterfly and, and, and a big, soft, you know, God, and he's like a fur, furry thing. And, and, I, and, I, and, and, and he, it's really important. He says, listen, from the beginning of time, all through the ages, I don't what? Okay, hundreds of years, thousands of years had passed since this book was written, and I do not what? Change. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the president is. It doesn't matter what country you live in. It doesn't matter what year you're born. It doesn't matter what we're dealing with on Fox News or CNN or whatever else is going on. It doesn't matter how the economy is going up and down. I, the Lord, do not what? Change. That's good news for some of you. For others of you, you're trying to get a curve. You know what I'm talking about? Trying to get God to move a little bit. And that's not how God works. One of you is going to change. It's not going to be him because he does not, he doesn't change. Okay, so whatever the Bible teaches, God doesn't change. So watch what the Bible says. I do not change. So the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. He says, listen, I promise I wouldn't destroy you. I want to destroy you, but I promise I wouldn't. I do not 
change, right? The Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, verse number 7, ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. You just, you just don't listen. I mean, it sounds like every church you've ever been in, right? He says, return to me and I'll return to you. But you ask, how are we to return? And he goes on to say, we're, we're, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? He says, in tithes and in offerings. What's the problem, God? Well, you're not handling the money that I've entrusted you with, the tithes and the offerings. He says, because of this, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Here's what you're going to do. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then he says this, the only time in scripture, he says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Here's what I'll do. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. What's he saying in this? What's he saying? Number one, he doesn't what? He doesn't, he doesn't change. This, is, this isn't, this is take it to the bank. This is all the way in the beginning of time, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, all the way till not right now, whatever your name is, Steve and Leah. Whatever your name is, I, the Lord, do not change. So here's what I want you to do with your money. Here's how you steward the tithe. Number one, what does God want me to do? Let's go right back in to the passage. Watch what it says. He says, I want you to bring the, everybody, what does it say? Can you, the whole, okay, just track with me if it's not up there. Bring the whole tithe. Bring the, come on, say it like you mean it. And you're like, I don't know if I want to say this or not. You got to bring the whole tithe. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. I am a, uh, I'm going to explain to you what the tithe is, and I already know. I'm, I'm not, I'll ask God to give me special revelation for you. I already know what, what's going on in your head. Ready for, ready for some of you? You're like, uh, um, I'm on a fixed income, pastor. You don't know about my income. I'm on a fixed income. I have a limited income. I'm in college. Right? I can't afford to tithe right now. I've made bad financial decisions in my life, and I'm trying to get out of debt. When I get out of debt, then I'll start tithing. All this church ever talks about is money. Well, you've been coming here for three weeks, so yes, that's all we've ever talked about. <laughs> but, but this is the first time I've talked about this since 2013. I actually want to apologize about that. That's pretty crappy of me as a pastor to not talk about one of the most significant, important things in Scripture. What all this church ever does is talk about money. I don't tithe because I don't trust the leaders. All I ever see is pastors getting rich. Well, stop watching Christian TV and going to Christian concerts. You are the reason they're getting rich. And so I hate when, okay, how many doctors are wealthy, right? Okay, some doctors are wealthy because they care about you, and some doctors are wealthy because they want to be wealthy. Do you not go to the doctor because some doctors are getting rich and it's, it's corrupt? You're like, I'm not going because I don't trust no doctors. Because there is some doctors that actually feel called to it. Right? I, I, don't, I don't send my kid to this school and I don't believe in that and I won't go here because they're all corrupt. I, I get that. There is, there is some pastors, they preach on this, they preach from agenda, they're trying to get rich. I got to be honest with you though, that's not this church. That is not the goal of, of, of this message. And please, please, don't use your excuse of being disobedient because there's people out there that are dishonest. Don't miss out on the blessing God has for you because of the stupidity of, of somebody else, right? Like, don't, don't do that. First, ask yourself, what am I supposed to do? And the Bible says to bring your whole tithe. Now, when you preach about this, you get, you get the church people, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you never heard of this, and then some church people you've already Googled, right? 
And you're like, okay. It's not New Testament, though. Right? It's Old Testament. I read, a, I read a Google article. It says it's Old Testament. We live under New Testament, right? We live under grace, not law. And I always want to remind people, yes, it's in the Old Testament. It's actually all the way back in the Old Testament. But there's other things that are in the Old Testament that still are right and wrong, like murder. <laughs> It's not like Jesus came and was like, yeah, you, yeah, you probably want to kill them, right, too. And so, in fact, in, fact, in fact, Jesus was like, hey, murder's wrong, but if you hate somebody in your heart, that's like murder, too. It's even, so Jesus takes it one step further, and so I don't really know. Some of you are like, I haven't even at the 10%. Let's not, let's not get further yet, right? Like, there's, adultery was wrong in the Old Testament. Is adultery still wrong? I, I mean, I hope we're amen in that, right? Like, it's the silliest thing. Jesus even said in Matthew 23, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You're hypocrites, he says. You give a tenth of your spices, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He doesn't say don't tithe. He says tithe and be a fully devoted follower of Christ. You can't just tithe and get to heaven. Tithe and be kind. Tithe and be loving. Right? Don't just show up and tithe and leave this place and cut every person off in this, in, in, on the street. That's the, I tithe today. It's fine, right? Don't tithe and not tip. Christians do that, just so you know. Can I preach a little bit? You know how many times I worked at Applebee's and the southern people would come in, right? And I'd be working at Applebee's down in Dallas on Sunday, and they would come in in their, in their Sunday best, right? And they just went to church and sacrificed to the Lord, and then it's time for them to make a little sacrifice to this poor college student. They had sat at my table for four hours and talked about all the good things God was doing in their life and forgot to show me when they were leaving the good things God was doing in their life. You think Jesus calls you to be cheap? I might, I might preach on that coming up because there's some cheap Christians. You can't talk about that? I'm being frugal, right? Meanwhile, we follow the extravagantly giving God who gave us his one and only begotten son. He wasn't like, you know what, I'm going to give my stepson. I don't even like them. I'm getting off target. And so, um, so what does he want to do? He wants us to tithe. So, so let, me, let me just, a tithe means tenth. So I got, some, some of you are like, he's taking out money again. That's why I sat close. I got ten once. So a little different than last week. And so there's nothing else in here. I actually took this from my son this morning. I needed this. And so, so I got ten ones. Let's count them together. Let's count them together. Ready? One. Okay, okay, so let's establish what the tithe is. A tithe means tenth, right? A tenth. A tenth of everything that you have. The Bible says in Leviticus 27, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy. So I have ten ones. God gave me ten ones. It's God's money. Right? I'm supposed to hold it. Which one's my tithe? Anybody know? Which one? I didn't think you would get that. You guys are good, right? First service got it. I'm like, yeah, they're the religious, you know, <laughs> godly ones, right? Third service, they're just going to be looking at the runs right now. They ain't even going to be listening. <laughs> he has runs, right? So my tithe, so here, here's the 10, but actually my tithe is what? The first one. And, and here's the thing about it. If, if this was my money, so I, di I did this last week. I did an illustration. And I said, I'm not God. I said, I'm not God. I said, I'm not God. Somebody still got mad at me for saying that. And so if you're here today, you got to lighten up, man. And so you got to lighten up. And so uh, I'm not God. 
and, but in this equation, once again, I'm going to act like God. So I, I, I have 10. If I give you one, the tithe is, is which one? The first. And, and technically, if I give you that money, are you giving it back? What are you actually doing? Are you, can you give something that was given to you? Entrusted to you? It's not even yours in the first place? You're not, you're not giving, you're returning. And what you're going to learn through tithing is uh, not only do you return 10%, the first 10%, but you return it, well, I almost dropped it. You return it back to God, it's, your, it's, your, it's the first. And what happens is when you return the first back to God, he has the opportunity to bless the rest. In other words, most tithers know, if you've tithed for a long time, that somehow God can do more with 90% than you can with 100%. Amen. Somehow. In fact, Scripture says in Proverbs 3, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Not the leftover, not after you're done paying your bills, the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. 90% in God's hands. I, I wish I had a football. But remember years ago when, when Tom Brady deflated the football and, and, and won a Super Bowl? Remember that? And so, but I was always like, I don't get it. Like, I guess it, it's like a certain, it's easier to grip. But then I was like, it, may, it seems like it'd be harder to throw it. And the truth is, is a deflated ball in Tom Brady's hands is much better than an inflated ball in your hands. Right? Like, oh, you're like, no, nah, come on now. <laughs> Uncle Rico over here, right? I throw the ball over that hill. <laughs> so I'm going to start with the tithe. What does he want me to do? He wants me to tithe. Number two. Let me tell let's, let's bring this in for landing. Number two. The question is then where? Okay, I got, the, I got the first. What am I, where, where am I supposed to do with it? Am I, am I supposed to give it to a missionary? Am I supposed to give it to uh, uh, a hunger? So put it Salvation Army? Am I supposed to feed hungry kids, mainly my own? And so look, what are you supposed, what are you supposed to do, right? And so let me, let me, the Bible says bring your whole tithe, watch this, into the, what is that word? Is it up there? Into the what? Okay, you're like, what the heck's the storehouse? So let me explain to you Old Testament storehouse. So Old Testament storehouse, the temple, and the t beside the temple was the storehouse. And people back then, they didn't make money like we made. They, they would grow crops. They would have grain. Maybe they would have livestock. And so they would take their first fruits. And God said, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your first because it's holy. And I want you to return it back to the storehouse in the temple. And so, so let me just explain to you what the storehouse accomplished in the Old Testament. And you see where this makes sense. In the storehouse in the Old Testament, the food and the grain that was stored there first, first was used to support the work of the priest and the Levites. Now, the priest, you needed them to make sacrifices and the Levites unclogged toilets. That's what they did. They took care of the, of the temple. They didn't have toilets back then. And so somebody's like, what are you talking about? And so, um, but they, they maintained the temple. They did the work of, 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 of maintaining. They took care of God's property. They gave their life to that. They didn't grow gr crops and they didn't have grain. And so the way that they ate and were supported so that the work of the Lord could happen in the temple was through the storehouse. And so you would bring your tithe and they would put it in the storehouse and then the Levites and the priests. Here's what else they, they, they would do with it. F find, find this in, 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 in where we're going. They would feed the prophets. So the traveling preachers, and then sometimes they would feed the Jewish widows and the, and the orphans. They would take, take the, the, some food, and they would say, hey, there's people that don't have a, 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 a man in their life to support them, and so they're struggling, and so here's, here's, here, here's, here's some grain and crops, and they would go to different countries, and so they were meeting the needs. As the temple was moving and people were having sacrifices, all the needs of the surrounding areas were be, being met, the storehouse. Now, let's just think for a second. We don't have a temple anymore. This is a, this is a warehouse. Are you tracking with me? 
Okay, this, we don't make sacrifices. I'm not asking you to bring a cow forward or, or, you know, or a lamb or anything like that. There's, no, we're not shedding blood. That would be super awkward, kind of cool, let's be honest. And so uh, we don't need to do that. Okay, so you come in, but if you understand what's happening, this, this technically is a New Testament storehouse. This is what this is. So let's think about it. Uh, people give here, and there's a staff that works here. They work. This is their full-time job. They, they come here every day. They, 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 they come up with processes. They do work in the back. They do crafts. I don't know if you, have you, ever, you ever taken crafts out of, out of this place? Your kid ever carried crafts? You ever throw them in the trash when you're leaving? Don't do that. That's rude. And so, right? Those crafts, people come in. Elise, she goes in there, and she, she gets them all together, and they cut out. Every time she's cut them out, I'm like, we really got to do this still? Kids still do crafts? What's going on here? And so crafts and, and markers. And anybody go to the bathroom today? I'm not going to ask you. That's TMI. <laughs> but if you did go to the bathroom and you, and you went to get toilet paper and it was there, storehouse. You get coffee. You ever go to, go to the place where there's coffee and be like, they have free coffee. I wonder how that happens. <laughs> you probably, maybe do, maybe don't. Some people don't because you, like, legitimately people are like, hey, I think the government runs the church. I'm like, no, the government hates the church. That's not how it works. And so, like, it's all about tithing and, and storehouse. And, and you, you, do you see the correlation? What happens? What he says, he says, return your full tithe into the storehouse. And here, here's what he says happens. He says that there may be food in my house, that there may be food. You ever been to a, you ever, anybody ever been to the South and gone to a Southern mom's house? Okay, I'm not going to dig the northern moms, right? Like, I love you, my mom's from the north, and like, they, northern moms, they got their own, their own stuff. But like in the south, uh, in the, like my, my wife's grandma, she's a southern mom, right? She lives in Oklahoma, Midwest. Like, she, there was not a time in my life, over 20-some years of knowing her, that I walked into her house, and there was not some type of homemade dessert there. She's 90 years old, and at Thanksgiving, she still makes pie, homemade pie. She, don't, she makes her own crust. We have chocolate pie, pecan pie, coconut custard. You hungry? Coconut custard pie, right? <laughs> Pumpkin pie, apple pie. Like, I can't do Thanksgiving. When she passes away, I'm not going to be able to celebrate Thanksgiving anymore. I'm just saying. Like, it's just not, not going to be the same. And so when you go into a southern woman's house, like, there's always food in, in the house. Here's the promise of Scripture. When you have a church that is faithful with their tithe, what happens? happens is there's food in, in, in the house. You're able to do things like open up new rooms and have toilet paper and have coffee and have crafts and have a band come up here and do that. You ever wonder how the band gets here? Like they just show up. Put their talents together, mesh them up. No, they practice. We have guys in the back doing sound, making it sound right, turning stuff up, turning stuff down. We got, it, it, there's, there's food in the storehouse. I want to show you something really cool. Can I show you something really cool, interesting about when I was reading through this book? So 1998, you guys remember 1998? Right? Britney Spears, NSYNC, all those people. And so, <laughs> all right. And so uh, I, little girl had a Taylor Swift shirt on today. And she was walking around and I was like, oh, it's Britney Spears. She got so mad. She got so mad at me. <laughs> Disrespect Britney Spears or Taylor Swift, and so, and so. But in the in the book, he talks about how in 1998 there was about 15 uh, trillion dollars earned by the church worldwide, right? And so he he talks about how much money that the church gave through that. He said the church in 1998 gave about uh, 270 billion dollars tithing, like that's a lot of money, which equated to 1.8 percent of their income. So then he was like, that, like, America has, that's third world country stuff. Like, America has to be doing better. So they, they pulled America, and they realized in America we made $5.2 trillion, which equated to $92 billion that we gave back through the church, which equated to not 1.8%, but 1.7%. So 
So I started thinking about that. If we're a 1.7 church, and I don't know if we are, we have a very generous church, but I started thinking through that. So like last year, here's, here, here, here's where we were at. And so can you bring that up real fast? So last year, $2.7 million was given through the church, which is around $52,000 a week if you take that 1.7 uh, statistic. For that, like if we, we say, here's our income, here's what we gave, that's a lot of money. Anybody agree? That's, like I remember when it was $150 a week. It was given by one guy, and I used to go get him when he wasn't there. <laughs> you think I'm playing? Hey, you want to go to breakfast? Bring your checkbook, right? And so, right? And so, but here, watch, if we actually gave 10%, 10% of our income, this year it would be 8735294000 which would be $167,000 a week. Could you imagine if we had that type of asset, liquid asset in our church? We would just buy Phoenixville. <laughs> just buy it. We could start ministries. We could support people. We, 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 like, if, think about what type of food would be in God's house. We would pay off this property. We would buy land. We would build another building somewhere because we're running out of property here. We might give this one away. Who knows? Like, could you think about what God could do if there was food in his house? Here's the last thing, number three. Number three. Let's just land right here. Questions why? Why, why? why does God want me to do this? Why are you talking about this? Why, 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 why is this something we need to talk about in church? And he, here's, here's, here's why I don't think Satan wants you to do this, if I'm just honest with you. It's the only time in Scripture God says, test me, the only time. It's like he's saying, take me at my word. And so he, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He cares about his house. The church is his number one earthly possession. The Bible says to love your wife in Hebrews or Ephesians 5 like Christ loves the church, that he laid his life down for the church, that he cares uh, about the church. That's why I get tired of people talking bad about the church because you're actually talking bad about Jesus. Right? Could you imagine if somebody was talking about your wife? Anybody got a perfect wife in here? Don't answer that. <laughs> but if somebody's talking about your wife, you want to you fight them. People are always bashing the church. Church not perfect, but the church is the hope of the world. And when the church functions right, great things happen, okay? And so why does he want you to do this? Well, he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Here's why. Number 10 in Scripture, sometimes it represents completion. Many times it represents tests. This is a test. Are you going to trust God or are you going to trust money? So then they ask this question. How are we robbing you? What are, you, what are you talking about? He says, you're robbing me through tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. Now, here's the thing about it. It's not like a curse like God's like, hey, I'm going to put a curse on you. Like how many of you have kids in here? Anybody have a kid? Anybody out there have to ground or discipline their kid? You're not supposed to woo that, right? You're not supposed to enjoy that, right? And sometimes you grounding your kid is, is, is it's like, ah, ha, ha, gotcha, right? And so... But sometimes you have to keep grounding them. Anybody ever been there where you're like, and, and you get to the point secretly where you're like, please get this because I don't want to ground you anymore. I don't want you to be stuck in this house. I don't want you to not be able to have that freedom. But please listen to me or you, you're going to keep being in here forever. Like you're going to be stuck. You're never going to get married. You got to stop, right? Okay. So that's how God, he's, God's a father. And he's not like, you're cursed and I'm out to get you, and I'm going to make it difficult on you. What he says is, until you get this, it's like a self-inflicted wound in your life. You'll never have enough. You'll always fight. You'll always be stressed. 
you'll always be arguing with your spouse. It'll never feel like, like you can pay all of your bills. It'll always feel overwhelming. It, it, it'll never feel like you can get ahead. It'll always, that, that's what the curse is. He says, you're under a curse. Instead, test me in this. And I love this part. And he says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Anybody else want that promise in scripture? So here's the thing about it. Um, in, 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 in a room like this, there's always two groups of people. There's the non-tithers and there's the tithers. And maybe you're new to church and you're neither of them. But there's church people who are non-tithers. You've been a non-tither your whole life. And there's church people who are tithers. Let me just tell you what the non-tithers say. If you ask them why they don't tithe, what are they going to say? I don't have enough. I don't have enough. And, and, and the truth is, you're right. And so here's what happens. You're, this, is, this is your fruit, right? Your runts and so... Uh, so, so you, this is, this is how much you have. And you'll notice they're the same. It's because it's not a money problem. It's not an amount problem. It's a, it's a heart problem. And so you get money, you get paid, you got all these bills. What's the first bill you pay? What's the first bill you pay? You own a house, you rent, you, you, okay, mortgage, right? Some of you, you bought a house after 2022 and your, your, your interest rate is over 7%. Suckers, right? And so, right? And so you're trying to, so you pay your mortgage, you pay your insurance. You pay, you pay your electricity, you pay your cable. Hey, let's just keep going. You pay Netflix, you pay Paramore, you pay HBO Max, you, 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 you pay what else? Net Prime, Netflix, you, you pay Disney Plus, they just keep upping the price on Disney Plus, right? You just pay it. Okay, then you have, you have kids. Anybody else have kids? And you, your kids get old enough where you got, first you start with diapers at Target or maybe you get the bougie cloth ones and you didn't, right? And so, right? And, and then you start going to Costco. Anybody ever been to Costco? How much Costco take? Come on, let's be honest. Let's just. You ever go into Costco, you're like, I'm only getting toilet paper. You aren't. You aren't. You're going to spend $300. That's the way it goes. You ever look when you're putting it away and you're like, that's $300. This is my life, right? And so, okay, Costco. And then you go out to eat. The kids play sports. Unexpected credit card bill or rental, you know, and so you get to the end, right? And it's just like it's never, ever, ever enough. Maybe there's a couple left over. And so, and you're like, okay, God, you can have what's left. And it's never enough. And you'll even say, it's never enough. Okay, there's other people, same amount, same amount. But you've, you've listened to the word of God. You're like, I can trust God in this. And, and let's just be honest, no tither ever starts because they have enough. Are you tracking with me? You're not like, you know what I want to do? I got an extra 10% laying around, right? That's not how it works. You hear a message like this, you're tired of stressing out about money, you're tired of being your own God, you're trying to align your life up with God's word, right? You can trust him, he gave you your, his best, right, through his son Jesus. And so you begin, and, and, and the very first time, your tithers, tithers, will, they'll, they'll take the first 10%. It's so painful, it's so hard, it's so difficult, it's, it takes so much stress, but you take that first 10% and you say, here you go, God, it's yours. And it doesn't take away the bills. I wish it did. You still got that mortgage. I got that 2.99%, so I'm only going to put that right there. And so, and still, still got all the bills. Still got the Disney and the Netflix and all that stuff, right? And Costco, God don't care, but he don't lower the bill on Costco. He just, right? Got the Costco bill. I got three boys. They're all almost teenagers. I got a lot of Costco bill. My boys, even though we go to Costco every week and sometimes Aldi's, they still come into the house and they go, there's nothing to eat. We go out to eat, right? They play sports. Um, my wife, 
vet medical bills, my medical bills, I'm 44, and so, you know, all this stuff. Okay, okay, so it's, it's coming down. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says to test me, to put, the, put me first in your finances. What is the promise of Scripture? What was it? You, don't, you didn't hear it? Because it looks the same. What does the Bible say? Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the what? The floodgates of heaven. And so you're in the middle of living. Sorry, camera people. And so uh, in the middle of living and the God who owns everything is involved in your finances. Right? Some of you were here years ago. You're like, is he going to do this again? And I'm praying and I'm feeling the spirit of God say, yes, right? Yes. And the Bible says that he will flood open the gates of heaven and you won't have enough room to store it. There's, 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 every, every, never have enough. Every tithe that I've ever met, you know what they always say? Man, God has blessed me. Man, God has blessed me. Man, man God has opened up the doors. Man, man, God has done what only. God shows up and shows off. Should I keep making a mess? We only got a few moments in the next service, so no. It, it, I promise you, this is game changing for you. And so here's what, here's what I want to do. Some of you already tied. You're like, I'm good right here, right? We're going to talk about generosity next week and uh, the principle of multiplication. Uh, and we're going to get into that. Um, and so, and that's not about journey at all. And so that's, but today, if this is your church, this is movement towards that. This is movement towards putting God first in your finances. So years ago, we used to do something called the three month or the 90 day tithe challenge. We haven't done it for years. And I was like, you know, what? we're going to bring that back. Some of you already give and, uh, you're good. Some of you are this, you're like, this is my day, my first job. I'm going to begin to put God first in my finances, my first, my first, my first salary in my finances, my, all that stuff. And so uh, we, we, all the screens everywhere, they're going to put up a QR code. Uh, it's, on your, it's on your Bible reading plan. Uh, it'll be on the app. And so here's what I'm going to challenge you. Test God. For the next three months, take the three-month tithe challenge. And here's what, here's what we'll do. At the end of the three months, if God hasn't done what God said he would do, we'll give you your money back. It's just, it's just, I'm not worried about it because I know what God will do in your life. And so, but your, 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 you have to action, you have to go, you have to move, you have to take the step. You can't just keep waiting. Okay, God, okay, God, when is it time? It's time. The Bible says that if you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, that's sin. So you hear the word of God and, and you, you respond. That's what Journey Church is all about. We listen to God's word and then we activate it in our life through action. That's what the Bible says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So all over this house, they're going to keep that up for just a few seconds. Would you stand to your feet? In Montgomeryville, would you stand to your feet? And if, if you're already tired, maybe bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe pray for the person around you. Um, just pray that God would do something, stir them, do something in their life right now. Uh, but maybe you don't tithe. Uh, would you just bring that, that, that slide back up one more time? And as everybody's head's bowed and everybody's eyes closed, you just take your, your smartphone out and you just grab a picture of that QR code. And you just begin to take those steps. And I, I want to talk to the teenagers in this place. Teenagers, the youngest people in this place, at your very first job, making just 10 bucks an hour. Man, I'm telling you right now, you get this, your life will be going in the right direction. This is so important to, to your life. I'm going to put God first in my finances. Maybe you don't even have a job. You get an allowance. I don't even know why you get an allowance. Let's be honest. You're just being a contributor at your house, but you get an allowance and your parents give you a few bucks that you've earned for making your bed and picking up your room. And so whatever that looks like... Very, very early on in your age, man, I'm going to put God first in my finances. Maybe you have kids in Journey Kids. Right now, you're going to have this conversation. We're going to put God first in, in, in our finances. Why? Uh, we're going to put them to the test. 
and we're going to trust that he's going to do what he said he would do. The Bible says all God's promises are yes and amen. They're yes and and, and amen. You can trust God because he's never wrong. He does not change. So as we're we're speaking about that, um, really this entire sermon series has been about trust, if I'm honest. Trust God, trust money. Trust is a really difficult thing because it seems like every time you put your trust in somebody on this earth, they let you down. So you get to the point where you don't trust anybody and you just try to do life on your own, which you were not made to do life on your own, and you end up carrying a weight that you can't carry, and you end up having more stress and more insecurity and more worry and more fear, and all those things go on. And I understand it because you live in a world where many people are just not trustworthy. You talk to them about things and they share it. You show them their emotions and they use it against you, and eventually you're just like, I just can't do it anymore. And sometimes you come to church like that. You come into this place and you're, you'll be like, it can't be like that. It can't, God can't love me like that. Um, God can't see me like that. Like there has to be a catch here. There has to be an agenda. And I, I got to, the goal is every week is the same thing. I want somebody that's never put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ to say yes to him, to experience grace, to experience mercy, to experience what it looks like to have a faithful friend that sticks closer than a brother. To understand the God that would give up his one and only son to sinners like you and me. The Bible says that while you were still a sinner, that Jesus Christ was dying on a cross for your sins. Long before you were thinking of him, he was thinking of you. That's what that means. And he's waiting for this day. He knew the seat you would sit in, the campus you would go to. He even knew you would walk in on this, maybe this very first Sunday, and hear a message about money. In fact, one of your friends has been inviting you for years, and you showed up today, and they're kind of worried. Of all the things, Pastor, couldn't talk about faith, hope, love. You got to talk about money, but it was the perfect message for you because you have a hard time trusting. But for some reason, the spirit of the living God is knocking at the door of your heart, and he's saying, let me in. I love you more than you can imagine. I died for you so that you can live for me. I don't see you in your shame. I don't see you in your mistakes. I view view you through the victory that I won on that cross 2,000 years ago. There's resurrection power in this place. There's a new life. There's hope. There's the ability to see addictions broken and marriages restored in this place at the name of Jesus, the name above all names. And the Bible says you can have a relationship with him if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That's putting trust in God. Takes the weight off of you. Jesus Christ, would you be the Lord and Savior of my life all over this house? If you would say, hey, pastor, that's me. I, I don't even understand it fully, but I can feel what you're saying, and I know I'm trying to do this on my own, but today I want to trust God. I want to give him my life. I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to lead you in a prayer. The Bible says if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you would be saved. It's as simple as that. I recognize I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Is there anybody in this place and in Montgomeryville that would say, hey, pastor, that's me. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to make you come forward. I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. You heard the word of God. You're going to respond in faith. And how we do that, a little bit of courage, a little bit of action right now. If that's you, would you just begin to shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, that's me. I'm going to trust Jesus with my life. There's a hand. There's a hand. Yes, there's a hand. I see your hand way up there, friend. 
I'm going to put my trust in Jesus today. All over this house, let's pray together something like this. Say, Jesus Christ, today I give up control. Today I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. You can have my entire life. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for your grace. From this day forward, I'm a brand new person. In Jesus' name we pray all over this house. Would you shout amen? Amen. It's as simple as that. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.